Barum is relationships. Barum is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? The room is different cookie cutter mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Allison. Oh hi, Rob. Oh hi, listeners. We're here to talk about minute forty-eight of the room. They rebuilt the alley set for this. This scene was, of course, why they rebuilt the alley set. It took twenty-two hours to take it down and another twenty to put it back up. Totally worth it. Yeah, and of course, though, Merce uh, Younger, the production designer, had two hundred dollars worth of nails on her receipts for the rebuilding, and Tommy thought that was too much and wouldn't pay her for the nails. <sighs> I'm sorry. The, the guy who spent six million dollars on a movie. <sighs> Couldn't handle a $200 bill for nails. That's a good point. That's so Tommy. No, he's like super rich. <laughs> no, um, because Tommy is wearing his tank top in this scene, he actually left the set right beforehand to go work out. And so they had to wait for him to come back and film the scene. I don't doubt it. And uh, I believe I've read somewhere, I don't remember where I read it, but Scott Holmes is actually really fit, but is deliberately, like, he's wasn't allowed to wear a shirt that showed off his arms. No, he can't. And this is what it is, right? He can't overshadow Tommy. Right. I do think that's why. It's like wearing white at a wedding that's not yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Tommy has that big of an ego that he's like, no one can look as fit as me or as hot as me. Mm-hmm. So he just puts him like a jacket. Yeah. He's the Regina George of, <laughs> of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Who'd the other ones be? Mark would be <laughs> Gretchen. <laughs> oh, it would be Gretchen because because Gretchen wanted to wear the hoop earrings. Regina was like, "No, oh bitch, <laughs> you ain't doing that." Yeah, he's the Gretchen, and they're wearing totally like contrasting. Like, I know this isn't English, but this is just the best way I can put it right now because it's the morning. They're wearing totally contrasting weather shirts, like. Oh yeah, he's dressed yeah. for the cold, and Tommy's dressed for the hot. Yeah, and it just—I don't know. Anyway, um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, Mike or Bran in the script announces. Actually, Johnny, I got—I got a little bit of a, a tragedy uh-huh. on my hands. Yeah. The script. I love how he calls it a tragedy. <laughs> the script. Johnny responds, "Did Michelle betray you or something?" And this is one of those times where this script feels fake. But I, it's too good. I have to read it. Bran responds, no, nothing horrible like that. I'd probably kill myself if she ever did that. Oh, foreshadowing. And Johnny says, who wouldn't? So tell me what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then we come back to the film where uh, Scott Holmes is, you know, delivering his, his great story. And he gets a close-up for this, you know, good for him, time to shine, as he explains. Me and Michelle, we were... We were making out uh, at your place. <laughs> Which Johnny laughs at. He laughs at everything. But like in a very uncomfortable, like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's such an uncomfortable laugh. Yeah, it's weird. Like, he, you what in my house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny didn't know people make out there. Well, they do a lot more than make out. Mm-hmm. 
And Lisa, well, yeah, the story starts with him saying them making out. By the end of the story, at some point in that making out, he took his underwear off. So Johnny's going to know something more happened. <laughs> this is actually a weird story to tell him. We're making out without underwear. You know, <laughs> okay. as you do. As you do. Hold on, honey. Before you can kiss me, let me just take off my underwear. Why is, why is he telling him this story? <laughs> I just... It just occurred to me. Why is he telling Tommy? I don't, why it's would you want someone to know this if you did this in your, their apartment? I guess he really thinks this tragedy is going to blow up and so something huge and she, he needs to warn him. Mm-hmm. He won't care. I'm literally like, is this, I'm watching this minute, like, is this Mark? Is this, I can't tell them apart right now. But is this another friend? I don't know. <laughs> Mike gets his, his wonderful monologue. I, I'll insert it here. Me and... Michelle, we were we were making out uh, at your place, <laughs> and um, Lisa and Claudette sort of uh, walked in on us in the middle of it. But that's not the end of the story. Oh, go on, I'm I'm listening. Okay, we're go- we're going at it, and um, I get out of there as fast as possible. You know, I, I get my pants, I get my shirt, and I get out of there. And then about halfway down the stairs, I realize that I I have misplaced. I uh, I've forgotten something. Mm-hmm. Uh, my underwear. So, <laughs> I so I come back to get it, you know, uh, and I pretend that I need a book, you know, uh-huh, I'm like looking uh-huh. for my book, and then I, I reach in and put the underwear in my pocket and sort of slide out real quick. Uh-huh. Well, Claudette, she saw it sticking out uh-huh. of my pocket. Uh-huh. She pulls it out, mm-hmm. and she's uh, showing everybody me underwears. He tells us a slightly wrong version of the story mm-hmm. because he says the underwear was sticking out of his pocket, which isn't actually true. She grabbed it before he even got it to his pocket. And then at the end, he says, uh, showing everybody in the underwear, of course, everybody was just Lisa. Mm. Because Michelle, I assume, had already seen them. And Claudette's the one doing the showing. But in my notes, I put uh, that everybody is Lisa, but it's also all of us in the audience. Because the story is bigger than the movie. This is, this is along with the reintroduction of the football later in this scene, this monologue is about Mike being emasculated. Like Johnny is starting mm-hmm. to feel. And mm-hmm. so this is... Yeah. More of the layers of Tommy's writing. Johnny still doesn't quite know what's wrong in his life, what's going wrong in his life. But in this moment, Mike has a very specific problem in it, so it works as a sort of metaphor for it. And so in, in this story, the women have the power. You know, and Mike is at the mercy of Claudette. And he's, when he's just struggling to be a man, you know, with his girlfriend in his friend's apartment for some reason. <laughs> Must have been some sexy pair of underwear, like not really. They caused such a tragedy. <laughs> we saw them. They, they're not. They're mm. not that great. He doesn't know what the word tragedy means. Yeah. Yeah. And Johnny's response: "You must be kidding, underwear. I got the picture." Yeah. And Mike says, "I don't know what to do." And Johnny says, "That's life." And this this is where the story gets really big. This is this is the story for every person in the audience. When at some point in your life, you're not going to know what to do because events are going to get out of your control. Claudette is going to grab your underwear. <laughs> Claudette is gonna grab your underwear. And you will feel powerless. And so that's some brilliant philosophizing about the human condition in the middle of this in-depth exploration of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm trying to say this with a straight face. Yeah. And how to be a man in a world where women have increasing power. Right. <laughs> oh, topical even for today. <laughs> And so that, and in my notes, I have, I mean, I grew up outnumbered by them. I have six older sisters and I'm outnumbered by them on the show this week. And believe it or not, a woman was this close to becoming president just a few short years ago. Tommy was warning us. (laughs) 
harbinger <laughs> of what's to come. What a tragedy. <laughs> Is this what Trump meant by, like, high school locker room talk? That's all I could picture was they're just in a high school, like, just in, like, a locker room. Mm-hmm. Just chatting. That's where you talk about Claudette's taking your underwear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, did you hear my embarrassing moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell it to Tiger Pete. <laughs> but then Denny arrives to fix everything, because what they need in this powerless moment is a football. You know, symbol of masculinity and manhood and brotherhood that it is for the spell. It's masculinity in object form is how I put it in my notes. It's the only mm-hmm. thing men have left in this world that women have taken over. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. Yeah. Very tragic. They're but, balls. But amusingly, yeah, they I think balls. Mike senses they that it's... Yeah, that's all they got. They're they're balls. <laughs> and just one. Um, just one ball. I, I think Mike senses that it might be too much for him in this moment, though, because even though he's not going to get injured until, like, that's in next minute, I think, he flinches when Danny pulls out the football. Because, like, he's so beaten down by the matriarchy that he's just flinching at everything, mm-hmm. even balls. And it's not right. had another tragic incident where they were doing foreplay with a football. Oh, yeah. And, and someone else's mother caught them on caught. It was Michelle's mother that day. His pants were down. Or his mother. Tragedy. Notes from a midnight screening. Notes from a midnight screening. There are a few very simple ones during his monologue. When he says, so I realized that I, I have misplaced. I, uh, I've forgotten something. Someone screamed out the last one. Your virginity. <laughs> which seems like a positive thing, actually. No, they say it. But, but fine, someone screamed it. it. It was amusing. But when he gets the end of the story wrong, people point out that's not what happened. Like, she didn't... Claudette didn't take the underwear from his pocket. See, Mike is reading into it even further. She took something out of his pocket when he had total control of it, which isn't quite what happened, but that's what he felt. You know? It's flag football with underwear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh... And she's, uh, showing everybody me underwears. Someone screamed, there was only one person there. <laughs> me underwears. I love just the, the casual, like, me underwears. Mm-hmm. Me lucky charms. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, uh, showing everybody me lucky charms. But thanks to me red balloon, I've made a clean getaway. Is he Irish? Yeah. <laughs> you want Irish, like, I'm super casual, I'm Irish, like... They're magically delicious. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> they're magically delicious. <laughs> the underwear is magically delicious. Yeah. yeah they're edible underwear. Ooh. Oh, okay. Sex Then they wouldn't have left them on the couch then. They would have eaten them along with that chocolate. It was tragic. Claudette pulled my underwear off and then she ate it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a tragedy. Then I'd be like, okay. Okay, then you can use the word. Yeah. Then it, that is tragic, yeah. Your friend's mother ate your underwear. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, Tommy's, or Johnny's and Lisa's apartment doesn't seem to have a kitchen, so you gotta eat what you can find. Yeah. They just have an alcohol and chair room. And Michelle and Mike had already eaten all the chocolate, so Claudette's like, ooh, underwear. She's gotta keep her strength up for the chemo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Made of candy, made of cotton, who cares? It's cotton candy at this point. (laughs) She's so hungry. <laughs> oh, Claudette is hungry in many ways. 
Where are me lucky underwear? <laughs> <laughs> I like that it, it it's well and the Demi coming in too, it's the three different men's hairstyles. I really like the, oh, the yeah, yeah. bleach tips thing. That's really that needs to come back. That's Very in cool. sync of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they could be in a boy band later when they're they out could. playing in their tuxes. Yeah, they look, yeah, very, very different hair, different styles. Them playing with the football later in their tuxes is like the start of their music video. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. That's like totally normal thing to do is play football and tuxes. And their album is just called Me Underwears. <laughs> yep. I'd buy um, it. <laughs> I'd listen to it. I don't know if I'd buy it. <laughs> Any notes from the matriarchy on this minute? Mm. The matriarchy has said no. <laughs> okay, then we will remain beaten down. We'll see how it goes. Let us consult with President Hillary Clinton first. Mm-hmm. Come back. To yeah, you. the alternate reality. So it is Friday. It's Friday, Friday. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. Alice, did you come up with a new bad movie to talk about? Or shall I discuss the other one first? Yeah, you discuss yours because you told me about Hobgoblins and then I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my my bad movie of the week this week, I got one. It, because it's one of my favorites, even though it is... It, it goes back and forth between scenes that I love and scenes that are boring and stupid. Mm. And... Uh, if you may have seen it because, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 did an episode on it, but they skip an entire subplot in their version because they had to cut oh. it down for commercials and stuff. Oh, okay. So they skip, uh, I forget this character's name, the guy that keeps, one of the characters keeps calling a sex line on his friend's phone so that they get it on their bill. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the hobgoblins, the monsters, the titular monsters of the movie, make your fantasies come to life, mm-hmm. and eventually that leads to your death, which is a fantastic concept. Mm-hmm. Like, your fantasy plays out and you die, and that's how they feed on you. His fantasy, he ends up, like, driving off to, uh, what's it called, Reputation Road, which is, like, the make-out point, with the woman he always calls on the sex line. And I believe they cut that entire sequence from the Mystery Science Theater 3000 segment. They don't cut the really long thing at, like, the seems like it's going to be a strip club moment where the good girl, like, takes off her clothes, except she doesn't actually take off her clothes. And it keeps leading up like it's going to be more explicit than it is. And it ends up being this weirdly wholesome film in which nothing bad happens even though characters are clearly excited about sex several times, and there's monsters that make fantasies come true. So it could have been a much more interesting film if it, someone bothered to make it for adults. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, it was weird that, like, I don't know whoever that main virgin slash future stripper girl was, but, like, mm-hmm. basically, yeah, that she was kind of like, well, you know what, why can't you just be more of a man? Why can't you just be more of a, like, out of seemingly nowhere, you know, just because yeah. of that one army dude. You well, know, yeah, she keeps like, challenging him to be manly, but then when he tries, she gets mad at him. Yeah. And he wants to have sex with her, she gets upset. Uh, but her fantasy is to dance in her underwear in front of an audience. Well, who's, who's isn't? Oh, right. This, this episode is sponsored by Toxic Masculinity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there are some fantastic moments of Toxic Masculinity in Hobgoblins uh, as well. The, the military guy comes back to visit. It's actually kind of cute at first because his girlfriend is so excited she yeah. jumps onto him. 
they go into his van almost immediately, and the van starts shaking in the background of a scene because they're they're that excited to be back together. Mm-hmm. But then he and the main character, the 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 guy who's not manly enough, even though he just took a job as a security guard, mm-hmm. is have a way too long fight with sticks that the movie thinks is so awesome. They think it's the greatest scene ever. That these sticks will hit each other and there'll be music to go along with it. And it's fantastic, but it's kind of boring because it goes on too long. But, mm. and I'm seeing all the bad parts of the movie. The, the great parts are the hobgoblins are adorable. They're these little furry puppets that people like throw at each other to get from place to place. And they just pop up in like windows where it's obvious there's a person right below the window with their arm in the thing. And they just make people's fantasies come true. Yeah, when they first go into that, the, just the, the teen's house and, you know, they're just like, oh yeah. They're just dancing. Nope, they're trying to shake off the, those puppets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's this old guy who also works as a security guard who's like the the character we meet first of the group, and he ends up burning, well, spoilers, he burns down the movie studio to kill the hobgoblins in the end. Mm. It's, it, it should be much more entertaining than it is. I like it. I like watching it. I would say steer clear completely from the sequel because it is, it is an awful piece of shit mm-hmm. made by the same director and is essentially a remake where they cast different people as the same characters. And other than the old guy, none of them remember what happened in the first movie for some reason. And the characters are just slightly different enough that they should have just been completely different characters. Mm-hmm. And it's it's weird. But Hobgoblins, definitely worth watching once. And if you... Can't handle it, just turn on the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version so you get some extra jokes. Yeah. Alice. Yeah. What might you have for us? Yeah, I mean, someone told me yesterday that they finally saw the new, from two years ago, Murder on the Orient Express that I fell asleep to in the theaters. And I, I feel wow. like I need to maybe revisit it. I just, I maybe. thought it was so boring. Huh. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd ever seen a version of Murder on, on the Orient Express. I didn't yeah. know how it ended because mm-hmm. I never read the book. And so I, I was kind of intrigued by that movie, but I, I don't, I don't think I fell asleep. I felt the only time I fell asleep that I know of in a movie theater was DuckTales movie. <laughs> DuckTales. And that's because I had stayed up all night because I spent the night at a friend's house. Yeah, sometimes I wonder is it like if I'm just, you know, tired or something so boring. Otherwise, yeah. if I'm in a theater, I'm awake. Yeah, I know. Oh, man. You know, I was just asking someone why haven't they tried a, a Howard the Duck movie? You mean a new another? Because I know it, it bombed spectacularly yeah. when it happens, but maybe they'll have a handle on it now. I don't know. Well, the problem is if you've read, we've talked about Howard the Duck on the show mm-hmm. before. Actually, if you've read Howard the Duck comics, that is not what his his Howard the Duck is a satire about like society, and he's like this. He's cl- almost like a. Re- I don't know if he actually is a reporter, but he's kind of like a reporter who's like talking about the horrible things that go on in life. And because he's a duck, he has this outside perspective, and it's it's all this satirical and it's brilliant stuff most of the time. Like I believe he ran for office at one point. It was a satire about politics and like political campaigns. So it could be like another Deadpool in a sense. Yeah, it could be good if you made that, but the the movie that they did make is just, here's a weird alien, he's going to fall in love with this human woman, and then some bigger alien they're going to fight at the end because it's the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's unnecessary and badly done. It, parts of it, I mean, it's not as bad as people say. We, we talked about it on a previous mm. episode, but it's worth mentioning again. Howard the Duck is worth watching once <laughs> and then moving on. Most movies are worth watching once, yeah. I would say. What what movie isn't worth watching, if you say if you pick one? As the host of Mandy Sucks Minute, I would say Mandy. <laughs> 
no one should watch it. They should just listen to my show. Yeah. Although that will take you longer. So maybe you should just watch the movie and hate it. Mm -hmm. There aren't many because usually if they've bothered, similar to The Room, if they have managed to get it put together, get a crew, get actors, quote-unquote actors, quote-unquote crew with some movies, on quote-unquote sets and film something, they put enough effort in that it's worth looking at once. And some of them have great ideas. Hobgoblins has great ideas. There's a movie from the early in the 80s that is called Beware Children at Play. Could be turned into a fantastic remake instead of, you know, people always complain there's too many remakes. You remake little things like that that can be improved. Mm-hmm. Remake Hobgoblins and make it good. Make it for adults. Remake Howard the Duck and make it satirical and brilliant and fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and I think there are a lot of things where you can say, okay, so it's not gonna win an Oscar, but like, it's still cute. It's still, especially if it's like something romantic, it's still cute. The other day I saw the, um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, the, that's on Netflix. And, yeah. you know, cause I was like, you know, whatever, like, I'll try it. I was talking about, um, the star of it on, on a podcast later that day, and I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll watch it. And mm-hmm. it was okay. It was fine. It wasn't, that great, but if you just kind of take it as like, whatever, it's a silly romance movie. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. There's some movies that are fantastically made where I think their message is bad and no one should mm-hmm. watch them, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah. That's not what this show's about. Anyway, one more time, Alice, uh, I don't know, where can people cast you in bad movies? Oh, casting <laughs> in anything, future director babes. Listen, um, <laughs> No, so you can find me on Facebook, Alice Lauren. Lauren spelled L-A-U-R-E-N. Uh, my Twitter is Allie Mez, A-L-I-M-E-Z-H. I've been on a ton of podcasts about a ton of different topics. Rob and I were on one just recently about all the Monty Python movies. That's on the Please Be Seated podcast. But I've been on different mm-hmm. different things recently. Almost Famous Minute, Top Secret Minute. I'll put in another plug for watching Top Secret. Um, I have no affiliation with that movie, but I wish I did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can you can find every everything that I do. Just you know, message me and let me know where you heard me, and then let's be friends. But it's not the wrong when people make fun of the project. In this case, the room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us! Yeah, I feel like I came off a little bit rude and interrupty on accident, so I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Shut up. Don't worry, we'll fix it in post. Okay, good. (laughs) Make me less of a bitch in post. Yeah, please. (laughs) No, I try to make me less of a bitch in post. I interrupt everybody, and so I try to make it sound like I don't. The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? Uh, The room is different cookie cutter Mm -hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to The Room Minute. The podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic The Room. One minute at a time.
Get you have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Allison. Oh, hi, Rob. Oh, hi, listeners. We're here to talk about Minute 48 of The Room. They rebuilt the alley set for this. This scene was, of course, why they rebuilt the alley set. It took 22 hours to take it down and another 20 to put it back up. Totally worth it. Yeah. And, of course, though, Merce uh, Younger, the production designer, had $200 worth of nails on her receipts for the rebuilding. And Tommy thought that was too much and wouldn't pay her for the nails. <sighs> sorry. The, the guy who spent $6 million on a movie couldn't handle a $200 bill for nails. That's a good point. That's so Tommy. No. He's, like, super rich. <laughs> no, um... Because Tommy is wearing his tank top in this scene, he actually left the set right beforehand to go work out. And so they had to wait for him to come back and film the scene. I don't doubt it. And uh, I believe I've read somewhere, I don't remember where I read it, but Scott Holmes is actually really fit, but is deliberately, like, he's wasn't allowed to wear a shirt that showed off his arms. No, he can't. And this is what it is, right? He can't overshadow Tommy. Right. I do think that's why. It's like wearing white at a wedding that's not yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Tommy has that big of an ego that he's like, no one can look as fit as me or as hot as me. Mm-hmm. So he just puts him like a jacket. Yeah. He's the Regina George of, <laughs> of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Who'd the other ones be? Mark would be <laughs> Gretchen. <laughs> oh, it would be Gretchen because because Gretchen wanted to wear the hoop earrings. <laughs> Regina was like, "No, oh bitch, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't doing that." Yeah, he's the Gretchen, and they're wearing totally like contrasting. Like, I know this isn't English, but this is just the best way I can put it right now because it's the morning. They're wearing totally contrasting weather shirts, like. Oh yeah, he's dressed yeah. for the cold, and Tommy's dressed for the hot. Yeah, and it just—I don't know. Anyway, um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, Mike or Bran in the script announces. Actually, Johnny, I got—I got a little bit of a, a tragedy uh-huh. on my hands. Yeah. The script. I love how he calls it a tragedy. <laughs> the script. Johnny responds, "Did Michelle betray you or something?" And this is one of those times where this script feels fake. But I, it's too good. I have to read it. Bran responds, no, nothing horrible like that. I'd probably kill myself if she ever did that. Oh, foreshadowing. And Johnny says, who wouldn't? So tell me what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then we come back to the film where uh, Scott Holmes is, you know, delivering his, his great story. And he gets a close-up for this, you know, good for him, time to shine, as he explains. Me and Michelle, we were... We were making out uh, at your place. <laughs> Which Johnny laughs at. He laughs at everything. But like in a very uncomfortable, like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's such an uncomfortable laugh. Yeah, it's weird. Like, he, you what in my house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny didn't know people make out there. Well, they do a lot more than make out. Mm-hmm. And Lisa, well, yeah, the story starts with him saying them making out. By the end of the story, at some point in that making out, he took his underwear off. So Johnny's going to know something more happened. This is actually a weird story to tell him. We're making out without underwear. You know, as you do. As you do. Hold on, honey. Before you can kiss me, let me just take off my underwear. Why is is he telling him this story? (laughs) (laughs) That just just occurred to me. Why is he telling Tommy? Why would we want someone to know this if you did this in their apartment? 
I guess he really thinks this tragedy is going to blow up in something huge, and she, he needs to warn him. Mm-hmm. He won't care. I'm literally like, is this, I'm watching this minute, like, is this Mark? Is this, I can't tell them apart right now. <laughs> is this another friend? I don't know. <laughs> Mike gets his, his wonderful monologue. I, I'll insert it here. Me and Michelle, we were, we were making out uh, at your place. <laughs> and um, Lisa and Claudette sort of uh, walked in on us in the middle of it. That's not the end of the story. Oh, go on. I'm, I'm listening. Okay. We're, go- we're going at it. And um, I get out of there as fast as possible. You know, I, I get my pants. I get my shirt. And I get out of there. And then about halfway down the stairs, I realize that I, I have misplaced. I, uh, I've forgotten something. Mm-hmm. Uh, my underwear. <laughs> so, <laughs> I so I come back to get it, you know, uh, and I pretend that I need a book. You know, uh-huh, I'm like looking uh-huh. for my book. And then I... I Reach in and put the underwear in my pocket and sort of slide out real quick. Uh-huh. Well, Claudette, she saw it sticking out uh-huh. of my pocket. So uh-huh. She pulls it out mm-hmm. and she's uh, showing everybody me underwears. He tells us a slightly wrong version of the story mm-hmm. because he says the underwear was sticking out of his pocket, which isn't actually true. She grabbed it before he even got it to his pocket. And then at the end, he says, uh, showing everybody me underwears. Of course, everybody was just Lisa mm-hmm. because Michelle, I assume, had already seen them. And Claudette's the one doing the showing. But in my notes, I put uh, that everybody is Lisa, but it's also all of us in the audience because this story is bigger than the movie. This is, this is, along with the reintroduction of the football later in this scene, this monologue is about Mike being emasculated, like Johnny is starting mm-hmm. to feel. And so this is more of the layers of Tommy's writing. Johnny still doesn't quite know what's wrong in his life, what's going wrong in his life. But in this moment, Mike has a very specific problem in it, so it works as a sort of metaphor for it. And so in in this story, the women have the power. You know, and Mike is at the mercy of Claudette. And he's when he's just struggling to be a man, you know, with his girlfriend in his friend's apartment for some reason. <laughs> Must have been some sexy pair of underwear, like Not really. They caused such a tragedy. <laughs> We saw them. They, they're not, they're mm. not that great. He doesn't know what the word tragedy means. Yeah. Yeah. And Johnny's response. You must be kidding. Underwear. I got the picture. Yeah. And Mike says. I don't know what to do. And Johnny says. That's life. And this this is where the story gets really big. This is this is the story for every person in the audience. When at some point in your life, you're not going to know what to do. Because events are going to get out of your control. Claudette is going to grab your underwear. <laughs> Claudette is going to grab your underwear. Uh, and you will feel powerless. And so that's some brilliant philosophizing about the human condition in the middle of this in-depth exploration of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm trying to say this with a straight face. Yeah. And how to be a man in a world where women have increasing power. Right. <laughs> oh, topical even for today. And so that, and in my notes, I have, I mean, I grew up outnumbered by them. I have six older sisters and I'm outnumbered by them on the show this week. And believe it or not, a woman was this close to becoming president just a few short years ago. Tommy was warning us. <laughs> a harbinger of what's to come. What a tragedy. <laughs> Is this what Trump meant by, like, high school locker room talk? That's all I could picture was they're just in a high school, like, just in, like, a locker room. Mm-hmm. Just chatting. That's where you talk about Claudette's taking your underwear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Did you hear my embarrassing moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, t- 
hella to Tiger Pete. <laughs> but then Denny arrives to fix everything because what they need in this powerless moment is a football. You know, symbol of masculinity and manhood and brotherhood that it is for the spell. It's masculinity in object form is how I put it in my notes. It's the only mm-hmm. thing men have left in this world that women have taken over. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. Yeah. Very tragic. They're but, balls. But amusingly, yeah, they I think balls. Mike senses they that it's... balls. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's all they got. They have balls. <laughs> and just one. Um, just one ball. I, I think Mike senses that it might be too much for him in this moment, though, because even though he's not going to get injured until, like, that's in next minute, I think, he flinches when Danny pulls out the football. Because, like, he's so beaten down by the matriarchy that he's just flinching at everything, mm-hmm. even balls. And it's not right. Or he had another tragic incident where they were doing foreplay with a football. Oh, yeah. And, and someone else's mother caught him on caught. It was Michelle's mother that day. His pants were down. Or his mother. Tragedy. Notes from a midnight screening. Notes from a midnight screening. There are a few very simple ones during his monologue. When he says, so I realized that I, I have misplaced. I, uh, I've forgotten something. Someone screamed out the last one. Your virginity. <laughs> which seems like a positive thing, actually. No, they say it. But, but fine, someone screamed it. it. It was amusing. But when he gets the end of the story wrong, people point out that's not what happened. Like, she didn't get, caught it and take the underwear from his pocket. See, Mike is reading into it even further. She took something out of his pocket when he had total control of it, which isn't quite what happened, but that's what he felt. You know? Flag football with underwear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh... And she's, uh, showing everybody me underwears. Someone screamed, there was only one person there. <laughs> me underwears. I love just the, the casual, like, me underwears. Mm-hmm. Me lucky charms. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, uh, showing everybody me, me lucky charms. But thanks to me red balloon, I've made a clean getaway. Is he Irish? Yeah. <laughs> you want Irish, like, I'm super casual, I'm Irish, like... They're magically delicious. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> they're magically delicious. <laughs> the underwear is magically delicious. Yeah. yeah they're <laughs> edible underwear. Ooh. Oh, okay. Sexy. Then they wouldn't have left them on the couch then. They would have eaten them along with that chocolate. It was tragic. Claudette pulled my underwear off and then she ate it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a tragedy. Then I'd be like, okay. Okay, then you can use the word. <laughs> yeah. Then it, that is tragic, yeah. Your friend's mother ate your underwear. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, Tommy's, or Johnny's and Lisa's apartment doesn't seem to have a kitchen, so you gotta eat what you can find. Yeah. They just have an alcohol and chair room. And Michelle and Mike had already eaten all the chocolate, so Claudette's like, ooh, underwear. She's gotta keep her strength up for the chemo. Mm -hmm. Oh, made of candy, made of cotton, who cares? (laughs) Cotton candy at this point. She's so hungry. <laughs> oh, Claudette is hungry in many ways. Where are me lucky underwear? <laughs> <laughs> I like that it, it, it's, well, with Denny coming in too, it's the three different men's hairstyles. I really like the, oh, the yeah, yeah. bleach tips thing. That's really, that needs to come back. That's Very in cool. sync of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> They could be in a boy band later when they're they out could. playing in their tuxes. Yeah, they look, yeah, very, very different hair, different styles. 
them playing with the football later in their tuxes is like the start of their music video. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. That's like totally normal thing to do is play football and tuxes. And their album was just called Me Underwears. <laughs> yep. I'd buy um, it. <laughs> I'd listen to it. I don't know if I'd buy it. <laughs> Any notes from the matriarchy on this minute? <laughs> the matriarchy has said no. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we will remain beaten down. We'll see how it goes. Let us consult with President Hillary Clinton first. Mm-hmm. We'll come back. To yeah, you. the alternate reality. So it is Friday. It's Friday, Friday. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. Alice, did you come up with a new bad movie to talk about? Or shall I discuss the other one first? Yeah, you discuss yours because you told me about Hobgoblins and then I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my, my bad movie of the week this week, I got one. It, because it's one of my favorites, even though it is... It it goes back and forth between scenes that I love and scenes that are boring and stupid. Mm. And uh, if you may have seen it, because uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 did an episode on it, but they skip an entire subplot in their version because they had to cut oh. it down for commercials and stuff. Oh, okay. So they skip, I uh, forget this character's name, the guy that keeps, one of the characters keeps calling a sex line. On his friend's phone so that they get it on their bill. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the hobgoblins, the monsters, the titular monsters of the movie, make your fantasies come to life. Mm -hmm. And eventually that leads to your death, which is a fantastic concept. Mm -hmm. Like your fantasy plays out and you die. And that's how they feed on you. His fantasy, he ends up like driving off to uh, what's it called? Reputation Road, which is like the makeout point with the woman he always calls on the sex line. And I believe they cut that entire sequence from the Mystery Science Theater 3000 segment. They don't cut the really long thing at like the seems like it's going to be a strip club moment where the good girl like takes off her clothes, except she doesn't actually take off her clothes. And it keeps leading up like it's going to be more explicit than it is. And it ends up being this weirdly wholesome film in which nothing bad happens even though characters are clearly excited about sex several times, and there's monsters that make fantasies come true. So it could have been a much more interesting film if it, someone bothered to make it for adults. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, it was weird that, like, I don't know whoever that main virgin slash future stripper girl was, but, like, mm-hmm. basically, yeah, that she was kind of like, well, you know what? Why can't you just be more of a man? Why can't you just be more of a, like, out of seemingly nowhere, you know, just because yeah. of that one army dude. You well, know, yeah, she keeps like, challenging him to be manly, but then when he tries, she gets mad at him. Yeah. And he wants to have sex with her, she gets upset. Uh, but her fantasy is to dance in her underwear in front of an audience. Well, who's, who's isn't? Oh, right. This, this episode is sponsored by Toxic Masculinity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there are some fantastic moments of Toxic Masculinity in mm-hmm. Hobgoblins as well. The, the military guy comes back to visit. It's actually kind of cute at first because his girlfriend is so excited she yeah. jumps onto him. They go into his van almost immediately, and the van starts shaking in the background of a scene because they're they're that excited to be back together. Mm-hmm. But then he and the main character, the 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 guy who's not manly enough, even though he just took a job as a security guard, mm-hmm. is have a way too long fight with sticks that the movie thinks is so awesome. They think it's the greatest scene ever, 
that these sticks will hit each other and there'll be music to go along with it. And it's fantastic, but it's kind of boring because it goes on too long. But, mm. and I'm saying all the bad parts of the movie. The, the great parts are the hobgoblins are adorable. They're these little furry puppets that people like throw at each other to get from place to place and they just pop up in like windows where it's obvious there's a person right below the window with their arm in the thing and they just make people's fantasies come true yeah when they first go into that the just the the teen's house and you know they're just like oh yeah they're just dancing nope they're trying to shake off those puppets yeah, yeah. exactly and then there's this old guy who also works as a security guard who's like the the character we meet first of the group and he ends up burning well spoilers he burns down the movie studio to kill the hobgoblins and the end. Mm. It's it, it should be much more entertaining than it is. I like it. I like watching it. I would say steer clear completely from the sequel because it is, it is an awful piece of shit mm-hmm. made by the same director and is essentially a remake where they cast different people as the same characters. And other than the old guy, none of them remember what happened in the first movie <laughs> for some reason. And the characters are just slightly different enough that they should have just been completely different characters. Mm-hmm. And it's it's weird. But Hobgoblins, definitely worth watching once. And if you can't handle it, just turn on the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version so you get some extra jokes. Yeah. Alice. Yeah. What might you have for us? Yeah, I mean... Someone told me yesterday that they finally saw the new, from two years ago, Murder on the Orient Express, that I fell asleep to in the theaters. And I, I feel wow. like I need to maybe revisit it. I just I thought it was so boring. Huh. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd ever seen a version of Murder on the, on the Orient Express. I didn't yeah. know how it ended, because mm-hmm. I never read the book. And so I, I was kind of intrigued by that movie, but I, I don't I don't think I fell asleep. I felt the only time I fell asleep that I know of in a movie theater was DuckTales movie. <laughs> DuckTales. And that's because I had stayed up all night because I spent the night at a friend's house. Yeah, sometimes I wonder is it, like if I'm just, you know, tired or something so boring. Otherwise, yeah. if I'm in a theater, I'm awake. Yeah, I know. Oh, man. You know, I was just asking someone why haven't they tried a, a Howard the Duck movie? You mean a new, another Because I know it, it bombed spectacularly yeah. when it happens, but maybe they'll have a handle on it now. I don't know. Well, the problem is, if you've read, we've talked about Howard the Duck on the show mm-hmm. before, actually. If you've read Howard the Duck comics, that is not what his, his, Howard the Duck is a satire about, like, society, and he's like this, he's almost like a, I don't know if he actually is a reporter, but he's kind of like a reporter who's, like, talking about the horrible things that go on in life, and because he's a duck, he has this outside perspective, and it's, it's all this satirical, and it's brilliant stuff most of the time. Like, I believe he ran for office at one point. It was a satire about politics and, like, political campaigns. So it could be, like, another Deadpool in a sense? Yeah, it could be good if you made that. But the the movie that they did make is just, here's a weird alien. He's going to fall in love with this human woman and then some bigger alien they're going to fight at the end because it's the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's unnecessary and badly done. It, parts of it, I mean, it's not as bad as people say. We, we talked about it on a previous episode, mm. but it's worth mentioning again. Howard the Duck is worth watching once <laughs> and then moving on. Most movies are worth watching once, yeah. I would say. What what movie isn't worth watching, if you, say, if you pick one? As the host of Mandy Sucks Minute, I would say Mandy. <laughs> no one should watch it. They should just listen to my show. Yeah. Although that will take you longer. So maybe you should just watch the movie and hate it. Mm-hmm. There aren't many because usually if they've bothered, similar to The Room, if they have managed to get it put together, get a crew, get actors, quote-unquote actors, quote-unquote crew with some movies, on quote-unquote sets and film something, 
they put enough effort in that it's worth looking at once. And some of them have great ideas. Hobgoblins has great ideas. There's a movie from the early in the 80s that is called Beware Children at Play. Could be turned into a fantastic remake instead of, you know, people always complain there's too many remakes. You remake little things like that that can be improved. Mm-hmm. Remake Hobgoblins. Make it good. Make it for adults. Remake Howard the Duck. And make it satirical and brilliant and fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and I think there are a lot of things where you could say, okay, so it's not gonna win an Oscar, but like, it's still cute. It's still, especially if it's like something romantic, it's still cute. The other day I saw the, um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, the, that's on Netflix, and, yeah. you know, cause I was like, you know, whatever, like, I'll try it. I was talking about, um, the start of it on, on a podcast later that day, and I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll watch it. And mm-hmm. it, it was okay, it was fine, it wasn't, that great but if you just kind of take it as like whatever it's a silly romance movie don't worry about it <laughs> yeah there's some movies that are fantastically made where i think their message is bad and no one should mm-hmm. watch them but that's a whole different thing yeah. that's not what this show's about anyway one more time alice uh i don't know where can people cast you in bad movies oh casting in <laughs> anything future director babes listen um <laughs> No, so you can find me on Facebook, Alice Lauren. Lauren spelled L-A-U-R-E-N. Uh, my Twitter is Allie Mez, A-L-I-M-E-Z-H. I've been on a ton of podcasts about a ton of different topics. Rob and I were on one just recently about all the Monty Python movies. That's on the Please Be Seated podcast. But I've been on different mm-hmm. different things recently. Almost Famous Minute, Top Secret Minute. I'll put in another plug for watching Top Secret. Um, I have no affiliation with that movie, but I wish I did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can you can find every everything that I do. Just you know, message me and let me know where you heard me, and then let's be friends. But it's not wrong when people make fun of the project. In this case, the room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us! Yeah, I feel like I came off a little bit rude and interrupted on accident, so I'm sorry. Don't up, worry, Alice. we'll fix it in post. Okay, good. <laughs> make me less of a bitch in post. Yeah, please. <laughs> no, I try to make me less of a bitch in post. I interrupt everybody, and so I try to make it sound like I don't.